Hey there, and welcome to another episode of The Walk. I'm Father Roderick. And actually, I shouldn't be outside. I'm walking outside, but this is the worst time of the day to be outside. We're in the middle of a European heat wave, and temperatures are steadily rising to the, uh, let's say, the second half of the 30s and 35, 36 degrees. In Germany, temperatures have already risen to about 40 degrees Celsius, so that's in the hundreds. And uh, you got to keep in mind if you're from the U.S. and you wonder why we are making such a fuss about uh, those temperatures, we don't have air conditioning, only in stores. And so uh, it's really insufferable. And right now I'm recording this right after lunch. The sun is so um, dangerous that according to the warnings that I've heard, um, you can burn within 15 minutes. Now, fortunately, I already have a little bit of a tan because I've been walking quite a bit, so I'm not that worried. But still, I've covered my head because uh, I don't want to get burned. I'm walking on a small ledge next to a, a huge... Um, it looks like a canal, but they're actually completely redoing this, this road that leads to the supermarkets on the other side of the street. This is a very old neighborhood, and part of the neighborhood has been... Uh, uh, upgraded. This is one of those streets where they haven't, and so they're, they're redoing the sewers, the electricity, the pavement. That's where all the noise comes from. But this is the fastest way to the supermarkets because I, I got to go to a store and get myself a cable to be able to podcast. They're flattening the, the surface here of the ground. Very loud! <laughs> All right, so um, as you know, I've been streaming from the rectory, uh, mostly game, gaming sessions and uh, Lego building sessions, and it's a lot of fun, but I'm still experimenting with uh, cameras and seeing what, how I can create uh, something that is a little bit better than just a webcam image. It turns out right now, I realized before I wanted to record my podcast, that um, I had taken both cameras to the rectory, so I have no camera. And even the webcam, I took it with me to, uh, to try it out. But I found a solution. You can actually use, um, via Wi-Fi, an iPhone to stream the image from the camera to, to the Mac. And then I can take that image and, and, and uh, put it through the eCam software. And I can take the audio from the Rodecaster Pro. The only thing is, I don't have a cable <laughs> that connects. And of course, uh, Apple doesn't use uh, USB-C. So I'm going to quickly go into this store here because I think they have cables. Oh, it's so cool here. Nice. And of course, nowadays, you have to have these certified iPhone cables. You can't just plug in any cable. Um, so I need to have one that is that says made for iPhone. Let's see, this is the USB. Memory stick department. Oh, if only Apple would have normal cables. Okay, here we are, Type-C, USB 2. Audio splitter, that's not it. USB charging cable, oh, that's also USB-C. So everything here, cable-wise, has already been moved over to uh, USB-C. I saw on the website that they still have 
uh, or they should have iPhone cables. Oh, here we are. An eight pin cable, eight bucks, made for iPhone, iPad, iPod. And it's two meters long. That's actually quite nice because I can use the webcam and put it uh, a bit away from the, oh, they have different colors. This is like gray, grayish. This one looks a bit white. That one's even pink. Oh, why do I have to choose for stuff that is, it's just a cable. I kind of like the dark gray. Okay, let's, let's not stress about it. Do they have anything cheaper? Nope. Well, they actually have, but that, that's not certified. This one, this is, yeah, this is for the iPhone. So, so logic. It says it's compatible with the iPhone, but it doesn't say made for iPhone. <laughs> yeah. You pl probably plug it in and then you'll, it doesn't work. And then they tell you, you have to, uh, you have to root your iPhone. <laughs> so now I'll just take the, the one with the made for iPhone, pay the Apple tax and have something that really works. All right. And then we'll talk a little bit more. If I have my, I'll use this at home, so I'll pay for it myself. <laughs> it's one of those, like, kind of looks like a dollar store. They have, like, literally everything you can want, and it's not very expensive. So, once I have this, I can use the phone to uh, to stream video and I can still do like a YouTube uh, a live stream and of course that that's now a tradition and I've also announced it uh, this morning I went to see the Men in Black movie and I'm getting smarter at this so when I came out of the movie theater I said well I'm going to review this at 3, 3 p.m. Amsterdam time and 9 Eastern time. So hopefully that will bring some more people to the street. Oh, yeah. Just wait. Should be able to pee. Yeah, Hello. Yeah. And it works. Yeah, thank you. All right, so I now have a two-meter iPhone cable. And let's see if this works. Now, there is a, a free app, but that only streams in low resolution. 640, like 480 or something like that. That's really low res. It's kind of the resolution of the built-in webcam of the iMac that I have on my desk. It is, it's very blurry. Um, so I, I'll probably pay for the upgraded app and uh, then I can use basically any phone that has that software so yeah cool all right so let's talk a little bit more let me let me give you an update on the current situation um, so we're still hard at work um, even though it feels like summertime it feels like we should be uh, on hiatus but there's still a ton of work that I'm doing I've been filming last week um, at least one one episode in Bergen op Zoom, a town in the southwest of the country. You may have seen the small video impression that I posted on uh, on YouTube. 
uh, I'll go back there on Sunday. Um, and apparently it's going to be very hot as well. So that's great, of course, because we get very sunny images. Not so great because I'll be lugging around a tripod and a camera and I'll have to work instead of just relaxing. Anyway, I, gl I gladly do this because I'm getting through the bulk of the work for um, the second half of, of 2019. I think I only have to film two more episodes, two or three more episodes, and then I'm done. I think three. I'm done for, for the entire year, which will free up uh, a, a tremendous amount of uh, time for me to focus on uh, other important tasks, one of which is um, I want to be able, like I've said time and time again, I want to do more video productions for an international audience. I want to work on some of my documentaries. Um, I still have this nagging feeling that that is what I actually should focus on. And the TV business should be just a side thing. Instead, it's always, as long as I've been doing it, it's been dominating my life. And it's not where I get the most energy. Although I, I do enjoy, now that there is no time pressure, there are no deadlines, I do enjoy, enjoy going out filming. And the fact that we've budgeted for other editors to put it together uh, is, a, is a tremendous help for me to keep it fun. Because I don't like editing. And it's, I mean, I can do it once I'm working on an, an edit and I, I have enough focus, then I actually really enjoy it. But... It takes, a it takes time and energy away. And so for me, it's been a really tough decision to say, well, we'll just pay for it. And in my mind, I'm always, but it's 1,500 bucks. If I do it myself, it's free. And we save 1,500 bucks per episode. But that's a false way of looking at things because those 1,500 euros that we pay an editor, first of all, feeds their family. So there's nothing wrong with that. And secondly, it frees me up to do things that are much more valuable to me than just monetary value. I can become more creative, I feel more free, filming becomes more, more fun, and oftentimes the end result is better than if I'd done it myself, because it's, it's, in creative processes it's good to involve multiple people, and sometimes they're able to make better choices than I, than I can do, because I've been filming everything and so every shot is kind of something I would like to keep in it. An editor can make tougher choices. So I, I really, it took me a while to, to, to uh, take those decisions and to say, well, no, I'm just going to hand it over. We have the budget. That's the weird thing. But it's this, I think it's because we've been working on, on micro budgets for so many years that I've become very reluctant to spend any money at all. And instead, working over, over time to... Um, to kind of economize but we're past that stadium because uh, we are doing so many TV episodes and so that creates a bigger budget that we can re-specify uh, or retarget towards the, the tasks that are not fun to do and, uh, and that are taking up all my creative energy that I, could, that I think I should spend on other things so anyway so that's going well lots of work at the same time, uh, the situation with my father, uh, and by the way, thank you so much for your prayers and all your, your comments on social media and asking me how things are. Um, it's kind of a mixed situation. Uh, mentally, uh, the delirium is still there. That makes it really hard to predict what will happen and also his chances of recovery 
are um, are still up in the air. We don't know. He needs to understand uh, commands, and he needs to be able to do his exercises. Otherwise, he can't um, get back on his feet. Let literally. And he has his moments. There are moments that he's actually quite uh, clear-headed, and then there you see the old father back. Um, but then it plunges back into the the, the mists of darkness, and uh, and it's just doesn't make really sense. And and he becomes really hard to uh, to direct. However, since he has these moments of of you know where he's almost like the way he used to be, uh, even though he's, he's he's got a bit of aphasia as well, so sometimes he doesn't really he wants to say something but he can't. He can't say it. But mentally, at least, he, he knows what he wants to say. So that's an improvement. But the fact that he has these episodes where his mind clears up, that gives me hope that the rest is still caused by the delirium and may still go back. Yeah, it's not gone. It's not erased the way he used to be. It's just there is something that impedes him from, from re-becoming that, you know, uh, that person. And so I will just keep hoping... Um, it's it's very taxing on the family, especially on my mom, um, who, as the primary caregiver, uh, really wants to be there every single day. So she goes usually goes there from at four o'clock in the afternoon. She stays until late at night. But we're all worried that it's too much. You can't keep that up. You can do that for a week, but see, she has the same age as my my father. She's seventy seven years old. She has her own health issues. And um, we're trying to tell her to, you know, take it easy, take a day off. My, my father is actually very relaxed in this entire situation, given the circumstances. He's just sitting and uh, he's friendly to the personnel at the hospital. And, every, and of course, it's, it's, he appreciates it if you, um, if you stop by. But they're, they're, I don't think that, that he will be super unhappy if all of a sudden my mom skips a day or only stops by for an hour or so so it's, it's a bit difficult because of course it's, she's free to do what she wants it's her husband um, but it's sometimes uh, the, 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 kind of the, the other problem is that because it's so taxing on my mom she needs support and she uh, hopes that we as children can give that support However, the, her needs sometimes outweigh our possibilities. Uh, in the sense that she's been uh, talking a lot with my sister. Uh, almost, sometimes on a daily basis, like hour per hour, she was giving like live reports via WhatsApp from, uh, from the hospital. And that may be a way for my mom to, to feel that she is supported. For my sister, it's extremely taxing and very sometimes also depressing because there's not much you can do and so you hear all the worries and the negative stuff and um, and that, you know, if you have a bit of empathy that can weigh very, very heavily on on the people that are having to you know, want to be empathetic so uh, also my sister is, is going through some rough times right now uh, my brother is involved in another way, he is a uh, uh, just looking up all sorts of medical information and has a, a very strong opinions about what uh, the hospital does well and specifically what the hospital doesn't do well. 
And so my, my mom always kind of likes to discuss these things. So you see these long conversations via WhatsApp about all sorts of sorts of uh, sorts of hypotheses and uh, maybe it's this. Maybe we should do this. Uh, I'm not sure if that helps. I'm much more myself. Uh, I tend to trust the experts at the hospital, the doctors, and I don't want to get too much in their way unless you really feel that they're neglecting my dad. But I don't think that that is the case. So since I'm working still full-time, and even a bit more than full-time, we're really working hard to finish everything before the start of the vacation, there's only so much that I can do uh, in terms of going over there. It's, uh, uh, it's not, not very close by where my dad lives. And so I visit every once in a while. And I, I also don't really partake in those conversations on WhatsApp. So now my mom is frustrated that I'm invisible and you know, I'm not giving her the support that she needs and why, why don't I react and respond and visit. Yeah. And I don't think, I'm, personally I'm not sure that I can do much. And so there is a, a need that, that, that outweighs what I can offer. And also I've seen what, you know, this, this ongoing stress and, and the, the constant conversations about, you know, worst case scenarios, what it does to people, what it does to my sister and how much that depresses everyone. And I don't want to get sucked into that. Um, I'm, I'm actually quite, just from, let's say, looking at the situation from a little bit more distance, I have the feeling that things are actually quite all right. And my father, the, the, uh, the wound is healing well. Uh, he, they're in the process of finding uh, a home for him where he can recover, where they have specialized care for people with a delirium or with mental problems. So... In, in that sense, there's no, there's no, nobody talks about him going back home or anything like that. Uh, so they are looking into ways that they can continue to help him. And he himself, that is for me is the biggest relief and, and also uh, something that, that, that uh, takes away the, the pressure is that he himself seems to be very accepting of the situation. And of course it's not, I mean, he has pain from time to time and uh, it's not easy, but it's also not that he himself is not desperate or super negative about things so i i kind of want to make room for that sentiment and uh, so i don't worry as much as perhaps other members of the family but i don't know it's just all the, this whole back and forth between expectations and what is necessary and uh, people second guessing uh, you know as if the fact that i don't visit as, as often as my uh, my sister or my mom is a lack of you know being involved or uh, that I don't care you get that kind of tension and that is making the situation even worse it's very hard as a child to because um, uh, you feel like uh, when your mom is not happy with the way you deal with the situation that's different from a situation where a parishioner would be you know, mad at me because I don't visit enough or something like that. And yet, it often, in, in this case, I think a, a lot of the same mechanisms. Um, and, and so it requires, on my end, a lot of uh, thought, uh, deliberation, and balance, I think. Uh, 
to to make the right decision. And sometimes you can't make a, 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 a right decision. Sometimes you just have to kind of follow your intuition and do what you do. And on my, from my part, I have the feeling that there's not much else that I can do. And uh, I'm. And another thing, several people have told me this, and I think it's true. I'm I'm not the primary caregiver. That's number one. I'm also not. Um, a care caregiver for my mom or I have to solve her problems with the situation I'm not I'm 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 her son but I'm not her doctor um or or not and also not her her therapist um and so that that but that is you still feel that tinge of guilt like am I doing enough am I is this is really uh am I right to keep my distance a little bit but I know that if I don't um, I will be sucked into that spiraling negativity as well. And I just don't want... I can't, I, then I can't help other people either. And of course, another disadvantage of my type of life and work is that a lot of what I do is public. And so um, I do have those Lego streams where at the end of a long day at the office and lots of meetings, I kind of want to wind down. But instead of just slouching in a in a couch in front of the tv i go and build something with lego and i have a conversation with my youtube audience and and those are actually really good conversations i'm uh, this is a huge surprise how how deep sometimes we have these conversations about faith about uh, uh just the other day about about the relationship between parents and children um and it's something that I really didn't see coming, that that would be a, a, even an option uh, when, when streaming video games or Lego. So for me, that, that is part of my pastoral activity. But for my mom, she sees that. It's like, well, he's not visiting, but he has time to, for an hour to build a, a Lego uh, whatever nonsense. <laughs> see what I mean? And then how... I don't even want to explain that. Um, because, well... That's what I do, and I have my reasons to do that. And I think that I would hope that people would respect uh, the choices that, that we all make. And we're, none of our lives are the same, and you can't judge from appearances. And so it feels tough sometimes to, to, to feel judged when, you know, I don't have the intentions that people project on me, or my mom projects on me right now. So uh, I, I realize this is a very personal information and uh maybe my mom will even listen to this but then again i it's also something that i i'm not the only one who sometimes struggles with this being a child this child parent relation is complicated and i don't think that parents often realize how difficult it is for children to be at the same time close to uh, their life but also the fact that we have our own responsibilities and we make our own choices and you can't claim your children um, just because they're your children. And I think that just as much as children need to respect their parents and help whenever they can, but also, you know, keep their own, make their own decisions and keep their distance if, if that is, a, is good for, for their own family and for their... Uh, uh, it's vice versa. The same should be said from parents. They also have to respect their children and the choices that they make, even though they would wish for something else. You can't claim people, and you can't certainly not try to manipulate them into doing what you want. 
So that is something that is, for me, a bigger struggle than, than the worries uh, about my father's health. Because I think that that is, that is what it is. He's found his peace with it. He also knows that it, he's, uh, himself, he, he, is himself, he has to blame himself for this entire situation. Because his, his feet already started to die and to rot like during the winter time. And he constantly said that he didn't want to go to see the doctor. What are you going to do? You know, he's an, an adult. <laughs> but now he's paying the price for that. So, well, again, if my father is okay with the, situ- with the given situation, why would I be stressed all day long and, and, uh, and stop doing anything else just because of, you know, a rotten situation? Which it is. Well, you can't change that. So, uh, anyway. And then, uh, in addition to that, of course planning ahead uh, we got three more weeks uh, before my vacation starts or first of course uh, I'm going to walk those um, those four days uh, in Nimeg with this huge walking event and I'll also be filming an episode of my TV show while doing that um, so one of the ideas that I had was to uh, to walk uh, for uh, for charity and um, the bishop have the bishops have a, a charity uh, that they promote during the time of Lent and during the time of Advent. And every uh, half year there is another project. And this, uh, this upcoming Advent, I think they want to support a project for uh, women, um, I think for pregnant women, to educate them, to help them medically also. Um, and I, I think I'm going to walk to raise some money for, for that cause. And then I can link that to the time that this episode may possibly air, which could be around Advent, so I can get more people motivated to uh, to uh, raise money for that charity because I think it's important. So that that is uh, another idea. Then I'm going to Ireland. You may have heard me talking about that last week. Um, so we're going to go to the center of Ireland. I'm very very excited about it. One reason that I'm excited is, of course, it's Ireland, and I haven't been there in 15 years and I love Ireland I love the Irish and I love the culture there so that's number one and secondly is Ireland so the be- the weather is probably going to be bad <laughs> or at least it's going to be a lot cooler than uh, mainland uh, Europe and uh, after this heat wave I think I'm uh, I'm really longing for some cold rainy weather because I you know when we're there we're probably going to do a lot of hikes and a lot of walks visiting old castles and churches and stuff. And uh, I don't mind doing that when it's raining and when it's cold. (laughs) So uh, looking forward to that. And then when I get back, that is when we're going to ramp up business for uh, the second half year. And I really am focused on... So one of of the things that um, uh, the board of Tridio has asked me to do or to focus on is is the fundraising for um, for this Dutch channel or Dutch speaking channel I should say Dutch language channel for Catholics where we uh, where we try to help Catholics in our very secularized countries because Belgium of course half of Belgium also speaks Dutch um, and to give them the the kind of information the kind of programs that inspires them. Um, that in, if you look at an international scale, is already there. There are lots and lots of great Catholic media companies and producing great content. 
but there is almost nothing like that in the Netherlands. And so I kind of want to raise more money to be able to do those catechesis videos and helping people to discover prayer and, and help them in their walk of faith. And uh, one particular uh, project that I wanted to do, first do with live action, uh, so to really film it with a priest and uh, we had a concept. Um, it's very hard. This is the local uh, UPS guy making the rounds. Ugh, must be so hot to sit in that car. Um, the uh, the priest who I hoped would would uh, want to do this project is unavailable, and so I made the decision. I'm going to do that in Lego. I'm going to do a course about the Eucharist and explain the liturgy and the symbolism and all the, the history of the Eucharist and its meaning through a series of Lego uh, uh, videos, the way I did them before. However, now, of course, I've got much more experience both with Lego and with filming Lego and making really good-looking uh, videos. So, um, and I, I figured if I can raise some money to do that, I can do it really well and then I can translate it in various languages because there is a, not just... A need for this kind of material over here in the, in the Dutch-speaking part of the world, but also internationally. If I look at the success of the other Lego videos, then it's it's an investment. It's one of the best investments that, that we can make. A second uh, idea that we want, or yeah, an idea that we want to somehow get to the next level is uh, we've been producing these cooking videos. You may have seen, if you follow me on Facebook, you may have seen a link to a Dutch, one of those Dutch videos. And it's a lot of fun. It's a super simple concept. So our presenter, and that's not me, it's a, uh, a woman uh, that is kind of the face of this Dutch channel. She visits priests and deacons and monks and whatnot and cooks a meal with them. And while they're doing, while they're preparing the meal, they have a conversation about faith, about life, about work. And those episodes are the most watched uh, productions that we have on the channel. There's a huge interest. People love to share it. Like the other week, we had an episode from a Colombian priest who works in my parish. Um, and he's a very young priest. I think he's in his early 30s. Um, and and uh, came here as a missionary from Colombia. Super energetic, friendly guy. Very good sense of humor and a good cook, as we discovered. And so he told us his, about his life, about um, his motivation while making uh, Colombian arepas or arepas or whatever. It's kind of like, a, it looks like a pancake, but I think it's, uh, it's hearty, it's, it's salty with cheese and stuff. And that video alone was shared, I think already 27 shares, which for a Dutch channel is a lot and has been watched almost 2,000 times now again. It uh, doesn't look like much on an international level, but for a starting Catholic channel in, in the Netherlands, it's pretty big, and I'm very happy. And so we want to uh, do more of these cooking videos. The problem is we always went to see those priests in their own home, and, well, they're like me. They're celebratory, celebratory life, living people. Uh, their kitchens are usually very cheap, very simple, uh, not always, you know, very good-looking. And what we want to do for the next season is to build, to, to kind of refurbish our existing kitchen, 
which uh, I, I used for 15 years, and, um, and, and make a, a television kitchen. So instead, we're going to remove all the, the current cupboards, which was already third hand. So it was second hand. I t- I, uh, uh, we removed it from my, my sister's home. She had it from the previous owners. So God knows how, how old that kitchen was already. And then we installed it in my kitchen. And I've been using it for 15 years. So it's completely, you know, it, it looks terrible. And it's, uh, and it's all uh, it lined the walls of the kitchen. Whereas for, we, we've discovered while filming these cooking shows that you need a cooking island. You need to be able to go behind the, the person who's cooking, but also in front of it and being able to zoom on the preparation aspect. So we need to completely redo that kitchen. But that, you can imagine. And, and, oh, another idea is, of course, our studios are in a very modern building. This is built in the 50s. The church, I'm, I'm walking all, uh, I'm circling the church right now. The church and the rectory are from the 1950s. And so it's all very uh, cheap. Um, it's all done in concrete. The rooms are stark white, uh, boring, uh, rectangular spaces. The windows are just old-fashioned 1950s designs. And, and none of that looks good on camera. So what we're going to do is we're going to really build and design a set. And I want this kitchen to look like a medieval like a monastery kitchen. And why not? It's a, it's, a t- TV, it's a TV set. So we're currently looking into ways to uh, do like walls that look like they've been built centuries ago. We're going to use uh, more earth tones, uh, making it much more looking old. And, and one way to hide the ugly 1950s windows is what I w- want to do is have a carpenter design uh, a front that we can put o- on, over the windows or in front of the windows um, that looks like stained glass, like like these these monastery uh, shaped windows, and I've, that alone is going to make the the entire space look totally different. Um, and then we'll just invite people to come cook at our place. I could do cooking videos. I've I can't remember how often people have asked me. When are you going to do a, a, a cooking show, or are you going to do a cooking, a, uh, what is it, a cooking book or something? Um, this is something that we can use in so many different ways. But of course, cr- um, refurbishing an entire kitchen because then everything has to be redone. That's probably cost. It's going to cost us thousands of euros. So I, I hope again that that's another thing that I hope to be able to raise money for. It's a very concrete, specific project that has already proven itself because we get so much traction on those cooking shows plus the conversations are really good because there is something really relaxing about preparing food and then talking at the same time it's much more natural and people have actually are much more open when they're cooking and talking about their faith and about their lives than when they're sitting in a chair in front of a couple of bookshelves kind of EWTN style and you have an interviewer who is uh, pointing the microphone at them and, and we've also learned another thing and that is casual is the style that we need to that we need to seek so we, we're also uh, currently building a, a studio in it's a it's one of the bigger rooms in, in on the second floor of the of the rectory um, 
that is a room that lends itself very well for positioning multiple cameras. And so we, we had a talk show, which was also a pain to produce because we had to lug around three cameras and lights and a lot of cables and audio equipment to every single new location. That turned out to be such a drain of energy and time that we decided to uh, bring that talk show in-house. So we wanted to create a bigger studio where we could have a table with multiple guests and multiple cameras and lights. And we were just, the, the thing that, the bottleneck of that entire process was, what is it going to look like? Are we going to make something that looks like um, a television studio where it's all sleek and shiny and, and very modern? Or are we going for, a, let's say, a vlogger look with uh, uh, colored LEDs in the background? And uh, there are so many different, are we going for a dark uh, set? So it looks kind of like an evening atmosphere. Think of if you've ever watched Catholic TV. Um, that's a Boston or Bostonian uh, Catholic channel. They have a talk show in the morning, but it's a closed set and it, it kind of looks to have this, this, this print out of the city in the background and it looks like a, like a talk show, like, like an evening talk show. Um, there, you don't get the feeling that there's daylight there and there isn't because that's in, in, on the inside of a big building and everything is studio lit. So, or are we going for something that mimics uh, much more of a, let's say, an open situation where you have daylight streaming in from the windows? You can all kind of recreate that with lamps. But are we going for bright and colorful or for white and sober, for dark and cozy? And then um, while I was thinking about the kitchen, I figured it needs to be casual. What we don't want to do is a talk show that tries to be a TV talk show because that's not our style and our audience is not like that. Our audience is an audience of very regular people from all ages. Um, our primary target audience is, is young families and so it should mimic their own life. Uh, and of course, well, you need to stylize it a little bit. So the other day I went with Inge to uh, some furniture stores and, uh, and even to a... a um, a garden center where they sell all the stuff for, for, in, for the garden and also the uh, furniture for, for the garden. And suddenly it clicked. I was like, we, we, we need to go for some kind of a, like a beach house type of style with um, lots of wood in the background, but it needs to be, you know, grayish or, or white. We need to have some, some, some of those kind of the, the type of plants that you see in, near a river or near a beach. And even the table itself can have a bit of more of a, an outdoor, you know, um, picnic type of, 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 uh, of styling to it. And then, of course, that will also have a great impact on the type of lighting that you do. So we need something that resembles daylight. So it's shiny and bright and, and cheerful because that is what our audience tells us. But the stuff, when you look at what they share... And what they post about our things, it's always the, the more home, homely it is. Um, in, in Dutch we say gezellig, which is intranslatable. Um, but I guess it's, it's homely, it's kind of hobbit-like. That, 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 that style works really well for this audience. And, and it's, it's pretty unique. I don't know many talk shows that have that style, that where, where, where you feel like you're at the beach <laughs> or you're, you're in a kind of half outdoor situation 
So it's, it's a lot of fun to, uh, to be thinking about that. And but the challenge, of course, is to make progress because we only have a few weeks. Um, we've been uh, talking also about, uh, I'm going to stand in the shade here because I'm, I'm literally burning away in the sunshine. I'm here at the entrance of the church. It's closed now, but uh, this is the, this is the uh, baptistery here on my right, or at least at the, the outside of it. Um, so the, uh, uh, another thing that, that was lacking in our uh, current uh, organization was someone who could help us with the personal relation, uh, the public relations, the marketing, getting the word out. And so last week, I think I've already mentioned this in one of my shows, we had someone who helped us uh, and who was going to help us for, uh, for a few sessions to make a plan and uh, to analyze how can we improve uh, our communications to potential audiences and how can we grow our members, our, our donors, our uh, sponsors. And uh, the, uh, one of the things that she recommended to us was, well, why don't you pick a starting date? You've been doing this for a couple of months now, this first half year. Every, everything was new. You were also trying out a lot of formats and some worked well and others you learned that it, they were too hard to pull off, so you had to kind of change course and, and do something different. You know your audience better. Why don't you pick a day at the beginning of the new season where you present your plans for the next half year and, and potentially even your series? And, uh, and then you also open the studios officially. And I thought it was a great idea, and I think that is going to be really fun to do. It's, it's community building but you will be able to see our audience face-to-face. But it also puts a, a, a deadline on, our, uh, <laughs> on, on the refurbishing of the, uh, of, the, of the studio rooms. So we need to make some, some progress. And we're working really hard on that. This morning we had a, a meeting with a, a guy who was going to do all the, redo all the electricity, because, it, again, it's an old building, so a lot of the stuff is in, inadequate for the kind of multimedia use that we make of the building so he's going to install that we're going to have a guy who's going to install uh, lowered ceilings everywhere sound dampening ceilings um, that is going to be very important to get good audio in in every room um, we're going to do most of the painting ourselves ourselves because and maybe we can find some volunteers that can help us that could be fun as well just take two weeks to just repaint everything um, and we'll save a couple of thousands, thousands of bucks by doing it ourselves. And I think it could be fun. It's, uh, um, and then we, we, we may also need to find someone who can advise us about the, the studio light. So I want to have professional lighting uh, of all the rooms where we produce media. So if you've ever watched my, my live stream on YouTube um, when I'm doing a podcast, it doesn't look good. I mean, it looks better than what I did with the green screen. Because the green screen kind of, I mean, it was a good solution at the time, but it also it has something very artificial and very cheapish. So I want to have a real set, but the, what I've put in place there is just a bunch of dark IKEA shelves, and it's not very appealing. So I want to really redesign that, and and most importantly, I want to relight it so it looks good visually. I've also done that with the Lego streams. So I was just using a regular webcam for the Lego. And now I've hooked up uh, Canon, uh, the ADD, to my, my MacBook. And with that, you, can, you have a so much better image because I can zoom in on my hands. And uh, I have 
myself, my face in a small circle on the left upper side of the screen using the built-in webcam of the, of the MacBook. But then the, the main screen is a close-up of my hands building the actual set. And that and you have the, the, the shallow depth of field and so it looks really, really fancy and nice. And, and it's, uh, it's much more, uh, it looks like much more like, well, not like TV, but like a production instead of just, hey, I'm building a Lego set and here, let, let me switch on the webcam. So I went, and even there at home, I, I want to improve the lighting and I, I need to do a couple of things, but I'm, what, I, what, I, what I'm excited about is this is stuff that I wanted to, have been wanting to do for many years. Um, and, and now we're finally uh, realizing it. And what I've also really enjoyed is doing this with my audience. And every time I can show something, goes, this is what we, what we did. This is how we improved. Um, just like in a, in a minute, I'm going to do my podcast. So Inga can still post it on Tuesday because she's got the day off tomorrow. And uh, I'm going to use that, that the camera of my phone uh, to, to stream it. And I, I just, this is something new. It's, it's cool. It's, of course, it doesn't look as good as when I would use a Canon camera. But it's still, it's, it's, it's innovative enough to, uh, to try it. And then, of course, I can also, uh, since this is Wi-Fi connected, I can take that camera everywhere. I can just walk around and still stream it over... Uh, you know, on YouTube. So there are so many uh, new possibilities with that solution. So looking forward to that as well. And I think that's it. That's it. I need to go in and uh, start recording my uh, my show. What time is it? Look at my very slow... Oh, oh it's already half past three. I'm half an hour late. This, this is a walk I thought I was only going to walk for uh, 20 minutes. All right. Well, anyway, if you want to hear the rest of what I have to say this week, just ch- go over to tridio.com. You're probably already subscribed to the to the podcast anyway, and take a listen. Thank you so much for uh, accompanying me on this warm, sunny walk, and uh, God bless. <laughs>